This morning we are jumping into the first uh, and most familiar of the wisdom books. Last week we made the big announcement that the next few months, actually the rest of this year, we're going to be focusing on, a, on a, a type of literature in the Bible called the wisdom literature. And today we get right into it. We're jumping into what's probably the most familiar of the wisdom books, the book of Proverbs. People love Proverbs. People love Proverbs, and for good reason. Proverbs is beautiful. The writing is creative. It's punchy. It's relatable. And maybe most of all, we, we love Proverbs because Proverbs is about what's probably our favorite subject, which is us, right? Proverbs is all about us and about our lives and about the things that matter to us. And fortunately for us, the first passage in the book of Proverbs is a, is a kind of overview of the whole book, uh, of, of why this book is useful, and, and some hints about how to get the most out of studying this book, and, and a way to think about what the book is trying to accomplish. This week, I, uh, I came across an article or a feature on the BBC about this new simulator that NASA has developed. Now, I'm not a science guy, uh, I'm not terribly geeky on that front. I geek out on other, in other ways. But this article caught my attention. It's this new simulator. So, so they've got this huge simulator they've had for a long time. It's, it's world, um, uh, the world's largest, I believe, flight simulator. It's like 100 feet tall, and you can go in there and learn to land stuff on the moon or program it for pretty much whatever you want to learn. This week, though, the article I was reading was about this new simulator they've got where you can, uh, you can learn how to manage air traffic in all sorts of conditions from any airport that you want in the whole world. You go in there and they can program you, you choose what airport you want, and all of a sudden you're there. You're transported there with a 360-degree view, and you can program it to have different conditions. So sitting in that simulator, you can imagine what it would be like to, say, have a few inches of snow in, say, a middle Tennessee city. (laughs) Try to get, say, 10 or 20 airplanes off the ground in such horrific conditions. Uh, needless to say, the article, uh, the, the simulator's new. Not a lot of people have t- trained on it yet. Got a long ways to go to manage weather like what we've had. But it got me thinking about, about uh, Proverbs as a kind of flight simulator. So the idea of that, of that simulator is you can go and sit there and have an experience of something before you actually experience that something, right? That's the idea behind a simulator. It wants to give you a real-world type experience that can teach you how to handle these conditions when you actually find yourself in them. You will know what to do when you've got an inch of snow and you've got to get planes in and out of Nashville, Tennessee because you've been there even though you haven't been there. Proverbs is, think about Proverbs as a kind of flight simulator. Proverbs is setting up for you models of the way things work. So that you can know what it is to be angry and not sin. So that you can know what it is to, um, to, to be faced with a decision that you might not have come to yet in your life, but that you will come to and make a good decision when that time comes. Now, what we're going to be doing in our study of Proverbs is, is trying to learn how to use the simulator well trying to know how to program it so you get what you're meant to out of it rather than, rather than misusing it and failing to get what, you meant, what, what, what you're meant to. It's a tricky book to use for reasons we're going to talk about in depth uh, here in a minute. 
Before we get into it, what I want to do is, bring, is, is make sure you guys notice a couple things that are going to be on the resource table that are going to help you if you want to. If you want a sort of study guide to go along with the preaching series, we've got a couple of books that could really help you make the most out of Proverbs. We're not going to be going through every verse in this book. Um, the book isn't really set up for that kind of study. We're going to be trying to diving into it here and there to try to get a sense of it, to try to learn how to use it. And then these books can help you go even deeper. So what I've got here, um, th- this book is called um, The Wisdom of Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes. It's by a guy named Derek Kidner. It's an excellent, short, readable overview of most of the stuff we're going to cover this year. It's got short chapters that introduce each of the books, gives you some tips on how to use them well. Um, I, think, I, I think you'll really enjoy it if you've got time for this one. So this one's not just for Proverbs. This is for all three of the Old Testament wisdom books. This is a back on the, worship, uh, on the resource table. And then this one is called Proverbs, Wisdom That Works. It's by a pastor here in Nashville, Tennessee. His name is uh, Ray Ortland. He, he pastors not far from here, actually, Emmanuel Church. They meet over in the Sylvan Park area. Faithful, faithful brother. He's a great preacher. And this book is, is some edited sermons that he did on Proverbs, going into a lot more depth than we will in our series. Very readable, good for devotional material. If you're looking for something to read along with our study for the next three months, this is a great tool. It's back there on the, worship, or on the resource table as well. The, so there's my, there's my uh, commercial for today. Now we want to get into the text. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's word while I read the overview of Proverbs. This is the, uh, the, the, the prologue to the entire book. This is the word of the Lord from Proverbs 1, verses 1 to 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands, obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying. The words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. I want to answer two basic questions today. Both of them are addressed in this passage. Both of them are critical for us to get what we need to out of our time in Proverbs. The questions are these. So, what are Proverbs, anyway? And what is Proverbs, this book, for? What's its purpose, its goal? What are Proverbs? So, the title for the book, uh, uh, the, the, the first verse in Proverbs 1, is kind of a, a heading that hangs over the whole thing. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. It's broadcasting to you that what you have here is an anthology. A collection of some of the sayings of the wise. Now, Solomon is the one who's most associated with this book, but he wasn't the only one who wrote stuff for, for the book. Uh, other sections have different names attached to them, um, and, and all of it is, is framed in light of who Solomon was and how wise he was as a king and a ruler over Israel, but, but dispersed through his people that he trained and mentored and, and others who who would come along after him, who, uh, who helped Israel think through what it was to live in light of who God is. The real key here is that we're, key, we're, we're clued into the fact that, that the book contains Proverbs. Not just who the book is written by, but what sort of stuff is here. I think the first thing we've got to ask before we keep reading, when we, when we come across that in, in verse 1, we've got to ask, well, what is a Proverbs? What, what is 
what is it we should expect to find when we work our way through this book? Now, uh, if you got a worship guide, hopefully you got a worship guide when you came in. There's, uh, there's some notes on a page in that guide that, that'll help you follow it, uh, follow what we're going to say today. And I've given you a little brief summary of what a proverb is. I want to unpack that this morning. What you should see there is that proverbs are poetic statements about life in the world based on careful observation. Poetic statements about life in the world based on careful observation. I want to unpack that sentence for you so that you'll know what, what proverbs are, what the author means when he tells us that what you've got here are proverbs of Solomon. So a couple things I want, I want you to notice about this little definition I've given you. The first thing you'll notice, and this is the first thing you'll notice as you read through Proverbs. First thing you'll notice is what Proverbs look like, the form of Proverbs, that, that they're poetic statements. It means they're really short, they're punchy, they're memorable, they're artistic, they're carefully crafted. This is not prose, this is poetry. So they use a lot of vivid images. Here's one for you from Proverbs chapter 11, verse 22. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout, is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. And you guys just sit with that one for a little bit. Here's another one. This is one. Some of my favorite uh, images in the whole book are about the sluggard. I really identify with this guy, the sluggard, the slothful. We're going to th- talk a lot more about him uh, in days to come. But here's, here's a couple of examples. Think poetry, think vivid images. Here's some vivid images for you. This is from Proverbs 26, verse 13. The sluggard says... There's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. Because he doesn't want to get up and go out of the house to do any work. As the door, here's, here's another one on the sluggard. As the door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard in his bed. <laughs> or here's, the, here's one more about the sluggard. I love this one. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish, but it wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> Proverbs are poetic statements, so you're going to get a lot of vivid images like that. Uh, Another thing you're going to notice about the form of the poetry is one of the most common devices that the writers like to use are what's called parallel statements, where you'll get one line, and then the next line explains the first line a little bit more, either because it takes it another step, or it gives you a contrast, or it compares it somehow. So here's some examples of that. Here's, Here's from Proverbs chapter 15. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. See how it's, it's nice and evenly balanced? Harsh word stirs up, turns, excuse me, a soft answer turns away wrath. There's the first line. You want to know a little bit more about what that means? We're going to define it for you by a contrast. But, as opposed to a soft answer, a harsh word stirs up anger. Or here's another one from Proverbs 15. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord, than great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. Do you see how the parallels work? You get one line further clarified by another one. So they're pro- what are the proverbs? It's a, it's a poetic statement. It uses images and careful crafting to help things punch and be a little bit more memorable. That's what you, what the first thing you're going to notice about what proverbs are. Here's the second thing you'll notice. Second thing you'll notice is that the subject of these Proverbs is the stuff of life. These are statements about life in the world. It's about what we and everybody else experience. It's usually about how to get the most out of life. 
So Proverbs are pointers to how to manage relationships. All of us have them. Proverbs is full of lots of specific kinds of relationships and how to make them work. Proverbs is about having more security in life, about building a reputation, about having success in the things that you do. Proverbs is about the good life. It assumes that, that all of us would, would rather have things get better than things get worse in life. That all of us are, are ambitious in one sense or another. That we're all aiming for something and trying to build towards it. And Proverbs frames itself as advice on how to get there. They point the way to the good life. Now here's the last thing. Proverbs are poetic statements about life in the world. And they're based on general, careful but general observations. So here's why I say that. That might not sound like, it, like it's that important. You need to know that Proverbs are not the same things as laws. So there's a lot of law in the Bible. There's the, the, the laws of Moses and then there's sections in the New Testament where Paul or whoever else is giving you a lot of do's and don'ts. If you want to live a life that's faithful to God, that pleases him, you don't do some things and you do other things. Proverbs are not like that. They're not laws. These are just people who are carefully observing what's going on in the world, trying to pay attention, trying to recognize certain causes and their effects, and writing about them so that you'll have a model of what the world is like. Think flight simulator. A flight simulator is not a list of do's and don'ts as a pilot. It's trying to get you the right set of instincts so that when you're there, when you're in the situation, you'll know what to do. Proverbs are doing the same thing. Now, if you treat Proverbs like laws, like a thus saith the Lord that, that holds true in any and every circumstance, you're going you're gonna to fall into trouble in some cases. So f- here's an example of that. In Proverbs uh, chapter 26, Proverbs chapter 26, verses 4 and 5. Here's what you've got in verse 4 and then in verse 5. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Okay, so far so good. That's verse 4. Then here's verse 5. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So you're supposed to answer the fool, or you're supposed to not answer the fool? Which is it? Two verses, back to back, totally different advice. Now, if these were laws, what you'd have here is a contradiction. These aren't laws. These are models. Whether you answer the fool depends on the circumstances. Depends on the fool. Depends on what the fool is saying. And what the wise person knows is the difference between whether it's a good idea to answer him and help him not be wise in his own eyes or just to just let it go and walk away lest you descend to his level. The wise person knows what's best. We have this, you can see what's going on here with an English example too. So what's the proverb about too many cooks in the kitchen? You want to avoid too many cooks in the kitchen. But then there's another proverb that says, many hands make light work. So which is it? Too many cooks in the kitchen causes a problem, or many hands make light work? Well, it probably depends on whether what you're talking about is preparing the Thanksgiving dinner or cleaning up after the Thanksgiving dinner, right? <laughs> if you're preparing it, too many cooks in the kitchen can be a really bad thing. You can end up with a discombobulated dinner. But if, you, if you're talking about the cleanup process, well, many hands make light work. You want a lot of cooks in the kitchen at that point. Well, the wise person knows what to do with the sayings that are in Proverbs. They're not laws, but they're careful observations about how things work. And they give you a chance to imagine yourself in this situation so you'll know what to do when you get there. Proverbs 15.23 is, is the key, I think. 
An apt answer is a joy to a man. And a word in season, how good it is. A wise person knows what to do when the time comes. Now, because this is tough, this knowing what to do with the Proverbs, it's not always crystal clear. They're observations, not laws. Here's how Proverbs works. The authors of this collection, they give us nine chapters before the first proverb ever comes on the scene. So what we typically think about as a proverb are these short poetic statements, these punchy things that that I've given you so many examples from. The first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs aren't like that at all. They're long kind of discourses framed mostly as a father trying to tell his son about how important it is to be wise, trying to convince his son that he should want to seek wisdom with his life. The first nine chapters of the book are meant to get you ready to do what you need to do with the, the rest of the chapters, chapters 10 to 31. So we're going we're gonna to divide our series, our, our time in Proverbs, into some sermons that unpack some of the biggest sections of the first nine chapters to kind of give us a sense of why wisdom matters and what it is to seek wisdom, to get us ready to know what to do with the kinds of stuff that come from chapters 10 to 31. And then when we get to chapters 10 to 31, what we're going to do is take topics that Proverbs covers. Because here's, here's a warning to the wise, okay? If you get start reading through Proverbs and you get to chapter 10 and you, and you go from chapter 10 to 31, what you're going to find is that you're going to be jumping from subject to subject to subject to subject. Almost, in every, almost every verse in some chapters is on a different subject. It can be really hard to track with that. So we want to, what we want to do is try to collect the wisdom of the Proverbs on some of its favorite subjects. I think that's how it's meant to be read. So we're going we're gonna to pull the thread on the sluggard and try to understand how not to be that guy. And we're going to pull the thread on relationships and try to understand what it looks like to be healthy and to keep a healthy relationship going. Other of these main threads we're going to pull through from chapters 10 to 31 to, to make sure we know what the point is. Um, here's my last sort of aside before we keep plugging along. I think a great way for you guys to, to really get the most out of this series, since we're not going through every single verse in the book, I think a great way to get the most out of the series would be to try to read a proverb a day. We're going to be spending three months in Proverbs, from now to, to uh, for, for the next three months. There's 31 of them. So if you read one a day, read the one for that day, so you don't try to feel like you've got to catch up. And if you miss a couple of days, just whatever the date is, read that proverb. For the, for the series, you'll get the full breadth of what its teaching covers, and then I think you'll be able to, to track with us a little bit better in what we, what we decide to cover on Sunday mornings. Hopefully that makes sense. This is a great way to, uh, to expose yourself to this material if it's new to you especially. So that's what are the Proverbs, all right? Now, now we get into the meat of our text this morning, which is to tell us what Proverbs as a collection, what this book of Proverbs is for. Maybe you notice this, starting in verse 2, all the way through verse 7, it's about the purpose of the book. So it's telling you what you get from this book if you give yourself to it. This is for people who want to know wisdom and instruction, to receive instruction in wise dealing, who need prudence and knowledge and discretion. This is what the book is about. So what is Proverbs 4? I want to notice, I want to point you to three things, three things that come out in these verses that are crucial to understanding this book we're about to give ourselves to for the next three months. Three things that Proverbs is for. Here's the first one. This is the biggest one. 
This one comes out in most of the details in, in the text we read this morning. Proverbs is for navigation. Proverbs is for navigation. Proverbs is about knowing how to make it through life and do well. So, so it assumes that every life is unique. That there are no two people who will have the same set of circumstances in their life, the same decisions that have to be made, the same goals or ambitions, objectives in life. Every life is unique. Proverbs assumes that. And therefore, Proverbs assumes that there is no set of laws that could ever be written that would cover everybody in every situation. So instead of laws, to supplement what laws we have, Proverbs wants to help you learn how to navigate your life yourself. It's not a roadmap necessarily. It's more like a simulator. It wants to give you the right set of instincts, the sense that you've been there before, so that when you, when you come to a decision, you know what to do. This, this point, this, this purpose for Proverbs comes through in a bunch of the details uh, that in, the, in the passage we read. So let me just give you a couple examples. So the first, the first verse in this section, verse 2, talks about knowing wisdom and instruction. This is one of the main purposes of Proverbs, to know wisdom and instruction. This, the, the, the meaning of these words is crucial here. To know in, in the sense of this word for know is to internalize it, to take it in. Develop a new kind of instinct inside you, a new, a new sort of compass inside yourself. And what you want to know here is wisdom, to recognize the good life, to recognize what it is to do well, to live life well. But you also want to know instruction. Something that doesn't come out in the translation that's in this word is that it's, it's usually a little bit, got a bit of a negative edge to it. Instruction here is also used for correction or for reproof or sort of redirection. So what, what, it's, what it's saying in that first line over this whole section that talks about the purpose of Proverbs is that you want to be a person who instinctively, from inside of yourself, know the difference between a good path and a not good path, between wisdom and folly, between what's going to lead to a good end and what's going to lead to trouble. These are lessons learned the right way and lessons learned the hard way. You need both of them and wisdom aims at them. So if you want to know, to take into yourself the difference between good, a good path and a, and a foolish path, turn to Proverbs. That's what this book is about. Other details make the same point. That, that this book is for those who want to know wise dealing. Right? What is, what's communicated there but a sense that when you're confronted with a new situation, you'll know how to get the most out of it. You'll know what to do, what not to do. You're presented with choices here. You've got to know how to make the right one. That's what the book is about. Now, remember, this is about modeling. Proverbs is about helping you feel like you've been there before. It's not going to script it for you. It's meant to train you in the, in the art of navigation through life. Because honestly, what we want is not what we're going to get. What we want is a still, small voice from God whispering into our ear, telling us exactly what we're supposed to do. Especially when the decisions are big. Especially when it's about you know, who you're going to marry or what your career path is going to be or whether to take the new job or to stay in the one that you have. These big decisions, we get immobilized sometimes for fear that we're going to screw our lives up if we take the wrong path. And what we're looking for usually in those situations is some word from God, just tell me what to do. But God doesn't lead us like that. 
He doesn't speak to us that, in that way. What he calls us to instead is wisdom, is a life of building the right set of instincts so that when we're presented with a situation where we've got to make a choice, we can make a choice that fears the Lord rather than one that denies him. That's what, that's what Proverbs is for. It's for navigation. That's the first thing. That's the most important thing in this text. Here's the second thing. This is another big emphasis in these verses. What is Proverbs for? Proverbs is for everyone. Did you notice this in verses, uh, verses 4 and 5 especially? There's three different kinds of people that these verses mention. These are the people that Proverbs is for. Turn to Proverbs if you want to give prudence to the simple. Another way to say it is shrewdness to the naive. Proverbs is for the simple. Proverbs is for you. If you feel like you're unintelligent, or if you feel like you have a track record of making bad decisions, if you feel limited, like you just can't see which way to go, like, the, like what's bearing in on your life is bigger than you can get your mind around, Proverbs is for you. There is no one for whom Proverbs is too deep, too difficult to understand, too inaccessible. This, this simple category here, the, the word for simple, is, it comes up lots of times in Proverbs. And here's the way one person, one writer about Proverbs uh, summarizes what it means. He says that the simple, this word here, is one who's mentally naive and morally willful and irresponsible. One who's mentally naive, morally willful and irresponsible. What that tells me is that Proverbs is for sinners and for the foolish for those who haven't been wise. There's none of you, not one of you sitting out there for whom Proverbs is, is not usable. The only person who isn't meant for Proverbs is the fool. And the fool is not one who has been foolish. The fool is one who won't be instructed. The fool is one who's given up, who's shut down, who's stopped trying to grow. Proverbs is for anybody who wants to get better at life. It's there, waiting. Proverbs is for you, if you'll give yourself to it. There's another category, though. Proverbs is for the young. Verse 4. Come to this book if you want to give knowledge and discretion to the youth. So kids, I want to talk to you guys. We love having you guys in here. I wish I did a better job of speaking to you in a way that's relatable. I'm working on it. You guys are being so patient with me. Thank you for that. I want, I want you to especially perk up, though, and listen to me now. This, this passage, this verse right here is talking about you. So all of the Bible is for you. All of the Bible was written so that you could know and understand who Jesus is and love him. But Proverbs, out of all of the Bible, is especially written for you. Some of the, some of the biggest, most important passages in this book are written from a father writing to his son, to his child, to help him understand how to live a good life. So Proverbs is going to write about things that matter to you. Proverbs is about how to talk to your friends, how to relate to your siblings, how to think about your parents. Proverbs is going to show you why it's a good idea to obey your parents even when you don't understand why they're telling you what they're telling you, even when you don't like what they're telling you, even when you would rather not obey them. Proverbs is going to help you see why it's important to trust them and to obey them um, and, and Proverbs is full of stuff, that, full of images and ideas that you, that you can understand. It's for you. Here's one last category. Now, this one's, this one's maybe the most surprising. 
So Proverbs is for the simple. Proverbs is for kids. And Proverbs is for the wise. Proverbs is for the wise. Look at verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. Did that surprise you at all when we came to that? Proverbs is a collection of wisdom. So sometimes you can think that, that actually that means that it's, it's not for the people who already have the thing it's meant to give you, right? You expect the, the, the simple to need Proverbs and the young to need Proverbs, but verse 5 levels the playing field, calls on the wise to listen and to obtain guidance. And you know what? What Proverbs says about wisdom, based on what Proverbs says about wisdom, the wise know better than anyone how much they need Proverbs. One of the most important things about the wise person, one of the most important markers for who is wise, is that they get they don't have the world figured out. That they, they, they need to grow. And growth for them looks like more and more awareness of just how little they actually know of just how much they need their friends, the counsel of other people, of how much they depend upon God to guide them and to lead them. Proverbs is for those who are already wise and know that they need more wisdom. So here's your practical tip of the day. Here's your practical tip of the day. Don't read these Proverbs like they're meant for somebody else. Because... That's the way a lot of us come to them. I'm speaking to myself here, maybe more than anybody else in this room. Um, Here's what you could be thinking. You could be thinking to yourself, man, I'm glad that we're studying Proverbs here. I've been reading a proverb a day for the last 20 years. And there are some people, there are some folks in this church who really need to know what Proverbs 15 says about the sluggard. I can't wait till they have to listen to that sermon. That's the response of the fool. It's the fool in Proverbs who thinks he's got it figured out. Only a fool is wise in his own eyes. So what we've got to do as we sit under the word of God in this series, what we've got to do is every week, and if you're reading a a proverb a day, every day, you've got to call yourself back And remind yourself that this passage is for me. I am the one who needs to hear this. How? Why? We need to think long and hard about where we need to hear from these words and what we can learn because that's the point of the fear of the Lord. That there is nobody who doesn't need more insight. No one who's got God and his world figured out. There is always more that we're not seeing. And maturity in life comes not from learning how to point someone else to a proverb that they need to fix their life, but learning how to get from Proverbs what we need to fix our lives. Proverbs is for everybody. For the simple, for the young, and for the wise. And here's the last thing. What's Proverbs for? Proverbs is for navigation through life, how to live a good life. Proverbs is for everybody because we all need wisdom. And, and finally, 
Proverbs is for worship. Proverbs is for worship. That's the point of verse 7. Verse 7 hangs over the whole book like a thesis statement. This is the point. This is the key, to, it's the key that unlocks everything in the book. Everything you need to get out of Proverbs, you will not get unless you first get verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. We've got to start here for, a lot of, for, for several reasons. One of the hard things about Proverbs for a lot of people is that it seems relatively secular. Because, like the stuff about the sluggard that I read, we were all cracking up about that. Where's God in the, in the image of the, the door and its hinges swinging over in bed? Or the guy who's too tired to pull his food up from his dish and put it in his mouth? That's just sort of creative writing about human experience. Where's God in that? And Proverbs is full of writing like that. God is here at the very beginning of the book, in verse 7, telling you that he's behind everything else that you're going to read in this book. And that if you want to get what you need to out of all the punchy statements about the sluggard or about a pig with a gold ring in its snout, if you want to get that stuff, you first got to connect with this concept of fear of the Lord because everything rides on it. It's the beginning and the foundation for everything else that comes. So, so what is it to fear the Lord? It's not to be afraid of him. That's not what fear here means. Fear throughout the Bible. When, talked about, when, when we're talking about fear of the Lord, it's not talking about being afraid of him. It's talking about trusting him. About acknowledging him. Respecting him. And, and maybe more than all, above all of that, fear of the Lord is synonymous with loving him. Deuteronomy uses the two terms interchangeably. It's plug and play. Fear of the Lord, love for the Lord with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength. So hanging over all this wisdom about life, how to make it through life, how to live a good life, hang over all of it is the idea that we've got to fear the Lord, to love Him, trust Him, value and acknowledge Him in everything before we can ever please Him. Hanging over it all is that, is that big banner. So, bringing it down to earth. When we read passages about the sluggard, or about what to do with your money, or about what you should and shouldn't say, we're unpacking, in the details of life, what it would look like to live as if this God is really there. So our decisions, our decisions about what, you, what we choose to buy or how much we choose to drink or how often you roll over in bed or what you choose to watch on TV or how much time you spend in your hobby, whether your hobby is disc golf or endurance athletics or cooking or uh, Pinteresting, this, that, or the other, whatever. Fear of the Lord is about taking God and who He is and plugging Him into all of those little decisions that we make. In the twists and turns of life, there is no detail too small for God to have bearing on it. Fear of the Lord is not new knowledge that you gain. It presumes that there's a relationship at the heart of a wise life. That every decision made in life reflects on who we value and worship above all else. 
And we are either going to live as if this God, the God of Israel, the God who has come to us in Jesus, as if this God is real, as if he's watching, as if he cares, or isn't. In practice, I think more often than not, the way we're hardwired is to do what feels right. Especially in these areas of our life that we don't typically think of other people getting to speak into. But Proverbs warns us in Proverbs fourteen twelve that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way to death. To live in a way that seems right to us. That's practical atheism. Well, maybe you never think about yourself as someone who doubts the existence of God, but, but when you don't take God into account, when you don't fear Him, as you make the choices that bear on your life, you're living like an atheist. So, maybe it'll make it easier if I... It, there's an analogy that can make it a little bit easier to see what I mean here. So... So when I got married and had children, my decisions for how to spend my time or money or travel, things like that, they're no longer my decisions to be made in a vacuum. Now those decisions get made through grid because they have an impact on other people that I'm in a relationship with. For me to spend money on one thing is for my wife not to have that money to spend on another thing. For me to spend my time as if it's my own time, when my kids are up and needing to be engaged, is for me to act like I don't have kids. It's for me to deny their existence in the way that I live. Most of us, by default, live as if God doesn't exist, as if we weren't in a relationship with this God. And Proverbs is calling us back to putting him at the center of life, where he is the grid through which every decision, large and small, gets made, where everything is made in light of who he is and what he has done in Jesus, where our lives then become an opportunity to worship him. See, because what Proverbs wants for us is to, is to get past thinking of worship as using certain churchy language, singing songs, doing the kinds of things we do when we come together. That kind of worship is not in Proverbs. It's not an especially religious book, if you use religion in that way. But Proverbs is all about worship. Because Proverbs wants us to work into the details of our lives a perspective that is defined by who God is and by what he has done in Jesus. Proverbs is an invitation to live a life of worship. Proverbs is like a flight simulator. It shows you what's safe, It shows you what will lead to a crash. But it is not just a self-interested book about how to get the most out of your life. It's more than that. Proverbs is about how to honor the God who made you. About how to show love to the God who came for you in Jesus. And about how to stake your life in its twists and turns to the promise that He will come for you once again. Proverbs is an opportunity for us to live as if he's true. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to help us not just to understand, but to love what we read. 
And that by your spirit, you would expose to us the places in our lives, the nooks and crannies of our lives where we would shield ourselves from the light of Christ that has come into the world. That you would wean our hearts from our love for the darkness that covers up our sinful ways. And that you would that you would help us by your spirit to love what it is to have light shine in the darkness. To be set free from patterns that have held us back. To, show, to, be, to see from experience. To taste the sweetness of a life that's free because it's good. Not free because it's untethered to anyone else outside of ourselves. Help us to love you well with all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.